From APP.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right, it's time for episode two of Jersey Jump Shot from the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Uh, Rutgers and Seton Hall combined one and three since we started the show, so sorry about that. Ryan Ross here with Steve Edelson and Jerry Carino. Guys, welcome back. Uh, a busy show we have today, jam-packed with a lot to get through, huh? It's only going to get busier, Ryan, because we're under four weeks and the clock is ticking to Selection Sunday. And i got to tell you, the last week just alone, so much has happened since we last convened here. Uh, there's just so much to talk about, and it's going to be like that every week. And let's start right off the top with the top 25. Uh, Jerry, of course, you're a voter. Creighton way up, Louisville way down. How about our Jersey schools, though? So Seton Hall slipped from 10th to 16th. And the rule of thumb is, you know, you lose between 5 and 10 spots for uh, having an 0-2 week. It depends on what other teams do. So Seton Hall 16th. Their resume is still real good, which is why they remain ranked fairly high. Uh, I did really strongly consider Rutgers this week uh, after a very impressive win over a ranked Illinois team. But Rutgers is probably, I probably had them 27 or 28, Rye, slightly outside the top 25. They could use, you know, a road win or like another quad one win. They only have two to sort of buffer up their resume, but they could definitely break in the coming week to the top 25. Rutgers definitely close. And as we look at Seton Hall, uh, a tough week for the Pirates. They lose at home to Creighton. I think that was kind of a classic letdown game after the big win over Villanova. A good ranked opponent comes in and beats them. And then, like we said, Providence, a tough place to play. They lose both. What is their March outlook now, and what's kind of the state of the team? So it really didn't change much. That's the whole thing is they lost two games, and their net hardly moved. They're ranking... In terms of the strength, uh, the, the resume strength, their Ken Palm rankings, they didn't really move. And this is what happens when Seton Hall has 13 wins against quad one and two teams, nine wins against quad ones, seven road wins. Their resume is gold. And so it takes a lot to budge their, their resume. So the issue really isn't is their resume in trouble. They're still hanging on to a three seed in all the bracketologies and a spot in Albany for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, which is where you want to be. The issue is, is this team ready to start winning again? And so something interesting happened at the end of the Providence game. Yeah, they lost, they lost a good home game to a very good Creighton team. And then they lost a road game to a tough Providence team. It happens. But Kevin Willard got on his post-game radio interview and called out his team. Didn't name players, but said we have guys with bad attitudes. And really, for Willard, this is huge. I mean, he doesn't do this type of stuff. He's pretty calm and measured after games. For him to say this, he wanted to send a message to his players. And how will that be received? We're going to find out real soon. This is a big moment for Willard right here. You know, he's got a team with Final Four potential who has stubbed its toe late in the season. It's going to be very interesting to see how he pulls this team out. And obviously, as Jerry said, you know, he's trying this. Um, we'll see if his players respond. That would be very interesting. Here's what I see. I see in, in 2018, Seton Hall had a team with potential to go deep into the NCAA tournament. That team underachieved because not everybody was on the same page, and it, it didn't get addressed publicly by Kevin Willard. I think he wishes he did. He's now getting in front of this to try to avoid what happened in 2018. I don't think Seton Hall has locker room problems. They just need a couple of guys to get more focused, maybe a kick in the butt. That's exactly what he did. I love it. I think it's the right thing to do. And Kevin has matured and learned from the past as a coach. I expect the Pirates to come out with their hair on fire against Butler Wednesday. Uh, me, myself, having come from the Bob Huggins School of College Basketball, when a coach does something like this, I kind of interpret it in two ways. Either, one, they're obviously frustrated with how the team's playing, but I think when a coach is especially hard on a team and calls a team out, 
they realize their potential. They realize just how good this team is. So when they call them out, it's kind of dragging them back down to earth a little bit and getting their heads out of the clouds. And, and like you said, it's kind of the kick in the butt they need. And as the veteran Kevin Willard watcher, 10 years, learning to totally speak his language and interpret what he's doing, and having seen him in practice and behind closed doors, he's been tougher on this team than any group he's ever had. Because I think he knows his team can take it, A, and B, he sees potential for greatness. And so he's upped his game, and I expect the team to respond accordingly. And a busy week, of course, coming up for Seton Hall. You have Butler and St. John's at home. They beat both of these teams on the road already. This Butler game, I mean, you can look at it as a must-win for both teams. Butler comes in. They've lost two out of three. Both of these teams are desperate for a win, both uh, ranked coming into the Rock. Uh, what do you think for this week coming up? Yeah, desperate's probably a strong word. They could both use a win just to change direction, right? So Butler's going to come in. They're going to play hard. Seton Hall matches up well with them. Uh, they have defensive players who can stop Butler's top sc- slow down. Butler's top scorer, Kamara Baldwin. So I see Seton Hall as a solid favor here. I expect them to play well. They'll have to play well to beat Butler. It's a good team. I think they will play well and win. Sunday's game is tricky. Uh, against St. John's because St. John's plays super hard. They're scrappy. There's a little rivalry there. But St. John's is the only team left on Seton Hall's schedule that can really damage their resume because it's a quad three game. It's a game you can't lose at home or your net takes a big hit. Uh, I, I do think Seton Hall matches up well with both of these teams, and I, I will predict the Pirates will play well and win both games. You never It's careful with margin because it's weird in college sports, but I predict the Pirates will play well and win both games. I will be shocked. I'll go on the record. Shocked if they lose one of the two games this week. And they should be, like you said, favorites. Uh, when they played Butler uh, last time, they were actually four-and-a-half-point underdogs, understandable, on the road against Butler. Uh, we'll see what the line is for that one. And then when they played St. John's on the road last time, they were four-and-a-half-point favorites. So you have to imagine that line will grow with them at home. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think they win both of these games. I think they take care of business. I think they've gotten the losing out of the way. If you are a Pirates fan, you're almost kind of happy they lost because they get it out well, of their system and they can prepare for a run. And these are must-win games because when you look at those last three games of the regular season I mean those are going to be really tough games against teams that need those games you know when you got Marquette Nova Creighton that's a that's a quite a late season gauntlet. You've got to get these two. Their last three games are very tough, so this is a big week. Exactly, you win two this week. They're still on track for Albany. Still on track for a three seed. Everything looks good. Now I want to address something that happened over the past couple of days after the Providence game Saturday night. Uh, there was a, there was a fan, a, 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 someone on Twitter, a troll. I'll call them a troll. <laughs> tweeted good something. Word. Tweeted something nasty at a Seton Hall player, Shavar Reynolds, who's like the you know local kid from Manchester High. Upgraded walk-on who's been a key member of their rotation coming off their bench. Done a real nice job. He's got a great life story. His father's a Navy chief serving overseas. Guy tweeted, the troll tweeted something nasty at Shavar Reynolds. Caused kind of an uproar among Seton Hall fans. And I, I emailed the troll. The troll had an email address listed on his account, which has since been deleted. I emailed the troll and said, why did you do this? I want to know what compels trolls to do this. I've had this discussion with Steve Peichel, whose players have dealt with the same type of thing. Tom Izzo, Michigan State's coach, who addressed publicly earlier this month. I said to the troll, what compelled you to do this? And he replied at length, because I lost a bet and I was mad and and Shavar Reynolds and these players should be able to take it. This is a problem. This is a problem with sports betting. It's a problem.
problem with social media, and it's not enough to just say to the players, log off. Their lives are intertwined with social media. It's intertwined with their school. It's intertwined with their social lives. They're not just going to log off. So we have to do better as athletic departments. When I say we, I mean the college sports industry has to do better in terms of understanding this as a mental health issue, and athletic departments are going to have to bring on people who can address this with athletes because it's going to keep happening. And it happens with every team. You know, you see it across the country. As Jerry said, Tom Izzo, it happens to every team, and it's getting worse every year. You see it. Um, people have do this with no impunity on social media, and, you know, these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. They're not grown men, and, you know, when when someone does that to you, you know, the, it's going to have an impact on them. Right. The problem with college sports, why college sports is particularly acute with this is, okay, so there's a pro who someone's tweeting at because they're mad at them. There's a 28-year-old pro making $5 million a year. You know, it comes with the territory. I don't like it. It's uncivil, but it happens. They can deal with it. You know, in high school, it's terrible if it happens in high school, but it's a much smaller stage. There's not people from around the country watching a high school basketball game. So you have 18-, 19-year-old, 20-year-old amateur athletes, still very young men and women, playing on a big stage that puts them susceptible to this garbage, and something has to be done about it. And, and you know, if you're going to lose a bet, just just lose your bet. I have plenty of experience with that, and, you know, you don't have to go <laughs> tweet at people or, or ruin their day. But and, they're going to do it, right, which is they're going to do it anyway because some of these people are just animals. So right. you're not going to stop them. So what has to happen is there has to be a reactive, proactive measure on the, on the school's end to help prepare these athletes for the vitriol they're going to face. Absolutely, yeah. And, of course, you have this column coming out, right? The on column's ABC. up today. Yep, I'll be retweeting it throughout the day. So be sure to read more about that. Let's move on to the Scarlet Knights, too. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. They lose on the road and win at home against Illinois. So kind of, you know, how do you place them in March, a team that just can't win on the road, but they're monsters at home? So, first of all, I think Rutgers is really good. And secondly, they played a great basketball game against Illinois, the best game they've played in probably a month. Okay, it's a young team that has not figured out how to win on the road. It's very hard to win in the Big Ten on the road, harder than other leagues because of the environments. First of all, the league's deep. Secondly, the environments are bananas. So I understand why Rutgers is the way they are. I also think, you know, the rack can be maybe like a drug at times where you're you're so used to it. It's like the comforts of it and the noise and the support that it's hard to live without it. Um, the, The fact remains they have two huge games this week, one at home, one on the road. If they win both. They're in the NCAA tournament for the first time in 29 years. Can they win both? That's something we'll have to talk about. But that's the debate right there. Can a team that goes 19-0 and at home and 1-10 and on the road, is that an NCAA tournament team? The metrics may say that, but I think you can look at that in common sense and say, well, wait a second. You know, this, this team, you know, unless they're going to beat Wisconsin, Penn State, or Purdue on the road down the stretch here, Maybe they have to do something in the tournament to be an NCAA tournament team. I think that's a fair debate here. So it's one thing for us to talk about it, which we are, but Jerry Palm, who's the CBS sports bracketologist who has insight into the selection committee's process, he devoted a chunk of his co- most recent column to this topic, You know, saying Rutgers is going to make history, is on pace to make history in the wrong way, and that if they don't win a road game, they're, gonna, they're going to – they could – put themselves in position to be made an example of by the selection right. committee. The stat Palm cited was that no team since 1994 has made the NCAA tournament at large with fewer than three wins away from home. Rutgers has one right now. No, So three, I mean, I don't think that you get to three, but 
one more would really help. And I think if they get one more, they're going to get in. But can they get one more? Right. Their road games are tough. Yeah. They're tough road games. I, to me, the killer was not being able to go into the garden in a neutral site game and beat Michigan. That game was there for the taking, and that looks bad. You know, and now, you know, you still your only win is against Nebraska, a, a Big Ten bottom feeder. You know, I think they got to do more. So here's what I'll say. They have a chance to uh, fi- uh, write that Michigan. Now it's at home, but they have a chance to fix that ledger against Michigan Wednesday night. It'd be a great game. Michigan's finally at full strength. They're red hot. So you have Michigan, which is 12-0 and all-time against Rutgers. Rutgers is 17-0 and this season in their building. It's like two forces colliding and something's got to give, right? I think it'll be a great game. I think Rutgers will win. I am not betting against Rutgers at home at all. I'm not picking them against them at home at all until proven otherwise because I've seen that building shake. I think Rutgers will win. There won't be enough to get them in the NCAA tournament. I think they'll win. I think they'll play really well. It'll be a good game. Won't be enough. They have to win one more, in my opinion, of the remaining four, one of which is at home against Maryland, the best team in the league and one of the hottest teams in the entire country. I think if they win one more and finish 19-0 at home, they'll get in. Some people don't agree, but either way, Rutgers has to win one more game, and if they don't beat Michigan, then they're going to have to probably take one on the road. One thing is for sure, Rutgers is part of the national conversation again. They really are. This will be a topic of conversation until Rutgers wins a road game or we get to Selection Sunday. But it's fun. I agree, Steve. It's fun to have Rutgers in the mix in February, and I know the fans are really into it. You can see it. You can feel the vibe at the rack, and it's been a lot of fun. And I think what we will see this week is, I'm going to say, until proven otherwise, Rutgers wins at home against Michigan, and they lose at Wisconsin. I, I agree with you there, Jerry. Uh, Michigan coming in, they've won two out of three. They're, like you said, at full strength. When Rutgers played them at the Garden, they were actually uh, one-and-a-half-point favorites against Michigan. So now they're home in the rack where, like you said, I'm not betting against them while they're at the rack. Then Wisconsin, that's a very tough place to play. Uh, I don't like Rutgers' chances in that game. They were a one-point favorite when they played Wisconsin a long time ago. I think that was the Big Ten opener uh, back in December when they played them. So, it was the first home game. First home game, and, of course, we know what happens when they play at home. I have to make that SpongeBob. Mean. You ever see the one where SpongeBob looks like a little teddy bear, and then the one under it, he's like the muscular guy? So it's like Rutgers on the road, teddy bear. Yeah. Rutgers at home, big muscular SpongeBob. Jekyll and Hyde, this has been going on for a long time. Now, Rutgers has been bad for a number of years, but the last time they had really good teams under Gary Waters, 2002, 03, 04, 06, in that era, they, it was similar. They, in 04, they went 16 and 2 at home and wound up in the NIT, you know, won 20 total games. So, I mean, it's this is not new. This is a thing, but it's a new group of players. And they are, this team is playing hard and they're playing well together. So I feel like they're so close to breaking out of it. They just have to do it. Wisconsin is better. They're a lot better now than they were when Rutgers beat them. They're almost a different team now, as are a lot of teams, than when Rutgers beat them, you know, at home in December. So, yes, that will be a tough place to play, a tough place to, to win. But it starts with Michigan. Rutgers can at least give themselves a little bit of leeway by winning the Michigan game, which, like I said, I expect them to do in a very compelling matchup at the rack. So I think last show we said if they won three out of six, they're in. Just quickly now, they win two out of four, regardless, home or away, are they still in? I think they're in. Steve's, I think Steve's on the fence about that. I want to see a road win. I want to see a road win somewhere. you got three chances. They're tough games. But show us something. And a chance to pad their stats, of course, too, once the Big Ten tournament rolls around. And it should be noted that the, the Big Ten games – will be neutral site. But I, I, as far as I know, the committee lumps neutral and road together. Rutgers is 1-8 in that category now, including a bad neutral loss at St. Bonaventure. So they could help themselves 
by winning a game or two in Indianapolis in the Big Ten tournament, that needs to be noted. And no Piscataway region, last I checked, in the NCAA tournament. So certainly something they have to figure out. Uh, quickly, let's move on to the uh, the Metro, the MAC, and Monmouth, uh, St. Peter's, Ryder. Uh, really, just all kind of going back and forth at it. Uh, Ryder one and uh, one and one last week. St. Peter's with two wins over uh, Quinnipiac and Fairfield, and then Monmouth drops a game to Niagara, but they win uh, on the road as well. Before that, so what's the outlook now, and what's our picture for March? Well, I think St. Peter's is a great story. They got a half game lead right now over Siena, and Ryder's a full game back in the MAC. But St. Peter's has a really tough final five games. They've got to make the Buffalo road trip against Niagara and Canisius. Never easy. Only one team has swept that trip this year. Uh, they got to play Iona, which is on fire. They've won four straight, three of them by 20-plus points. And they've got to play Ryder. So we're going to find out a lot about St. Peter's coming up. Um, you know, and Ryder, Ryder's playing pretty well, and they, but they've got to play three of their final games on the road. You know, I think Monmouth, which split up in Buffalo last weekend, they've got four home games, including their last three games at home. So they've got a couple of big games coming up. They're at Marist on Friday night. Then they're hosting Quinnipiac on Sunday. If they can get through that at one and one Boy, if they swept, they'd be in great shape because they probably have the easiest schedule coming down the stretch. Here's my question for you, Steve, as the MAC expert. Does any of this matter once you go into the in the tournament on a neutral site in Atlantic City? Does it matter? Getting a bye obviously helps, but beyond that, what does it matter? No, see, and, and that is, I think, one of the dilemmas in the MAC is, yes, you need to get in the top five so you don't have to win four, four games in four days. But beyond that, there isn't a whole lot of value in this. You know, and people will say, okay, well, you know, they were up in Albany before in a huge arena. Now they're going down to Atlantic City in a huge arena with no atmosphere. The argument is let's play home home sites. That way the, the regular season is incredibly important. Now you're playing for home games. You're playing to host a championship game. Uh, like Now, the, the MAC will tell you, well, we feel like we're, you're, you're not a big conference if you do that. Well, let's, let's face it. Maybe they should be thinking about that, and that is a, a debate we have every year in the MAC. It just adds meaning to the regular season. Now, winning the, winning the regular season title does matter, of course. Right. You get the automatic NIT yep. berth. If St. Peter's does that, for example, they're in first place at the moment, that would be a huge deal for that Amazing. program in Shaheen Holloway's second year. So that matters. But who finishes second, third, fourth, fifth? Right. I mean, what does it matter? So to right. me, it's I love the home sites. I know some people look at it as rinky-dink. Uh, I'm curious to see, and we'll talk about this more on later podcasts, I'm curious to see – Will Atlantic, will Boardwalk Hall become, you know, will it be awesome down there or will it be lacking in vibe? And that's, that, to well, me, that could be part of it too. Listen, there's, there's not going to be any atmosphere there. It's You've been there. That's a huge arena. There's going to be 3,000 people there. You know, but unlike Albany, you can gamble down there. So, hey, that's a good thing. But my point is, you know, it, it's – no one remembers who went to the NIT. So there is that. You know, Monmouth was the regular season champ for two straight years and went to the NIT. But all anybody remembers is that Iona went to the NCAA tournament. You know, and so that that is why the tournament is big. But, again, the regular season, yeah, it, it, it doesn't have as much meaning when you're playing a neutral site tournament uh, like like the Mac does. So it's a crapshoot. We're going to do is we're going to put on blindfolds, throw darts against the wall <laughs> to decide the Mac tournament champion. Because you couldn't tell me who that's going to be with any no. certainty right now. No, the, right now there I think there are seven teams within a game and a half or two games 
of the top spot. So you know, just roll the dice. I mean, any one of them, you would not be stunned. You wouldn't be stunned if uh, Massiello gets Manhattan in gear and they win it. You know, I think if I'm St. Peter's, I'm feeling the best though out of these three teams. You have Manhattan, a team you well, beat by 17, and then Ryder, you lost by four to them. Ryder though, only two conference road game wins taking a play out of the Rutgers book uh so they have like you said Iona and then St. Peter's so a, a much tougher stretch for Ryder whereas St. Peter's uh you know you have Manhattan you said obviously talented they can come up and beat you as well but that's a team you handled earlier in the season yeah and again I, I think the x factor here is Iona they are really playing well right now they have probably more talent than any team in the league uh, and let's face it, w- once you get to mid-February into March, uh, they've been unbeatable in recent years. Boy, so. that would be demoralizing for the rest of the league <laughs> if they just showed up in Atlantic City and won. <laughs> yeah. and, and quickly, too, uh, Princeton uh, losing to Yale at home. Yale kind of uh, asserting some dominance there. Shocking showing. the margin. I mean, shocking yeah. the margin of that game. Now, Yale's good. Yale's Ken Palm's in the 50s. If Yale wins the Ivy League, they're not getting a 16 seed. They could be a 12. So they're good. I, I thought Princeton would play better at home, so we'll, we'll have to see. There's still a long way to go, and there's a four-team Ivy League tournament. And they have to go at Harvard, too. Uh, they beat Harvard already at home, but now they've got to go on the road and take them on, and then they have Dartmouth at home coming up. So, yeah, like you said, still in the four-team tournament as well. But uh, they, they really have to show that they deserve to be there and that they deserve to be at the upper you know, echelon they'll of get the there. Ivy League. They'll, they'll, they'll get, get there. there. They'll get there. It's about, it's about peaking that week. Like a lot of this is with mid-majors. It's, it's about peaking the week of the Ivy tournament. And so we'll see what they got. But mm-hmm. I think I think they'll be in the mix. And winning at Harvard would go a long way right. for the Tigers for and that. that. Sure, and that's where the tournament's going to be, too. Mm-hmm. So remember that. So that was the fastest uh, 20 minutes or so that we've ever had. We had a ton to get through. Uh, guys, anything quickly uh, you know, on the website, on app.com, that you want to send people towards? Yeah, I interviewed Quincy Dubia yesterday. He, you know, all-time Rutgers great and an all-time <laughs> great guy. And he's coming back to the rack uh, Wednesday. He'll be introduced to a standing ovation. He's back as a student at Rutgers. And he's a, a father of a 12-year-old who's pretty darn good. He even sent me video. So I got a nice package about that. And I know everyone will be looking forward to seeing him uh, back where he belongs back home Wednesday. And we're going to have a lot of great coverage on Wednesday. I'll be at the rack with Chris Eisman for the Rutgers-Michigan game and Jerry at Seton Hall. So make sure you check out app.com. And that's NJ Hoops Haven for Jerry, uh, at Steve Edelson APP on Twitter for Steve. And I actually said mine wrong last week. It's at APP on Twitter. Go figure. I got my wrong Twitter handle in the show last week. But uh, that's going to do it for our second episode. Thanks for listening. We're available, of course, on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on Apple iTunes now. Uh, Of course, we'll be posting this on app.com. And be sure to keep following us, and we'll talk to you next week on Jersey Jump Shot. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.